Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. I wanted to give you a big one today. So hey, buckle up, make sure you hit that like button. And actually, if you want to get some awesome for yourself or someone you know, and at the same time support the show, you only have 12 hours left to get on this latest beautifulbastard.com drop. I'm talking about the Keep Going Tie Dyes, Bringer of Sadness World Tour, Beautiful Bastard Monkey, Ghouls Just Wanna Have Fun, and all these posters, signs, and unsigned. So get in on it because it ends at midnight Pacific time. But hey, let's just jump into it. One of the Try Guys is dead to the internet. I should clear. I should clarify that. So if you don't know who the Try Guys are, they're a massively popular group online. They got their start with BuzzFeed, then branching out on their own, absolutely crushing it. And each of the four kind of have their own thing that they're known for. I kind of thought of them like as a boy band group in that aspect. And one of them, Ned Fulmer, was known by many as the I love my wife guy. But apparently recently rumors have been popping up that he actually cheated on his wife. And the talk around this started to increase as people seemed to notice that, hey, did they cut Ned out of this video and that video? And then someone posted blurry media that appeared to be Ned and some other woman kissing, which is part of the reason I think there was so much initial talk about, oh, is this just a story about parasocial relationships? Right? We don't know about what's happening in this person's personal life. It should be their own, but maybe I'm like too in involved with watching them as a fan. But then even more people jumped on this story when it came out that the, the person that he was with was actually an employee, which for a lot of people changed the situation. It wasn't, you know, you were watching someone you don't know cheating on their spouse. For many, this became, oh, was there, was there a weird power dynamic situation that we need to look at here? But up until just minutes before recording this, it was all speculation, people talking about it. There was no full confirmation of anything until the Try Guys released a statement. Ned Fulmer is no longer working with the Try Guys. As a result of a thorough internal review, we do not see a path forward together. We thank you for your support as we navigate this change. With Ned then minutes later posting, family should have always been my priority, but I lost focus and had a consensual workplace relationship. I'm sorry for any pain that my actions may have caused to the guys and the fans, but most of all, Ariel. The only thing that matters right now is my marriage and my children, and that's where I'm going to focus my attention. But ultimately, as of recording, that is where we are. This is all still developing. It'll be interesting to see if there's any other fallout. But yeah, let me know your thoughts. And then YouTube is killing my videos. That is not a statement I ever thought I'd be hearing from a mainstream music artist. Because if you're even remotely familiar with YouTube, you know they're, uh, let's call it, inconsistent when it comes to enforcing their rules. And that's the case in many situations, but especially when it comes to musical artists. The shit that's allowed in music videos is egregious compared to most homegrown creators. And the conversation around this spiked yesterday after Nicki Minaj announced that her new Little Miss remix video got age-gated. Sharing a screenshot of YouTube's age restriction notice on Instagram and writing, they restricted my fucking video but have things a million fucking times worse on their bogus fucking platform. This is what they do to keep you from winning while doing ads for other people and posting fake fucking stats. Because the same people who run YouTube are in bed with a certain record label and management company. And further claiming that this was done to prevent her from getting a lot of the views in the first 24 hours. And tagging YouTube to further allege favoritism and continuing. How long have y'all been playing the numbers game to lie and pretend people are doing good when they're not? How much ad space did these duds purchase to be promoted on my channel in the last five years? Now for some details and context here, the music video for Little Miss Remix does feature a lot of close-up shots of people in skimpy outfits twerking. But like I said at the top, music videos are usually spared from strict moderation that the rest of us have to deal with. It's the kind of content where YouTube's like, I didn't see nothing. Right, the WAP music video, not age-gated. Minaj's own Anaconda video, not age-gated. But if you or I or whoever the hell twerked in our own video on our own channel, we'd probably end up in suppression hell. And while the core of this story is, uh-oh, Nicki Minaj was held to the same standards as everyday people, she was correct in it not seeming to make sense that YouTube did this. There, there are other music videos where there's similar imagery where that didn't get 
restricted. And so especially with Nikki sounding off on this, you had fans confused and outraged as to why this happened to her new video. And lucky for Minaj, she did not get treated like the rest of the peasants here on this platform because her video didn't sit in age gate hell for too long because yesterday YouTube lifted the restriction saying the video didn't violate the platform's community guidelines, but still Minaj wasn't happy. Responding to the news by tweeting, fuck them duds, they can't give us back our first 24 hours, can they? Though she did eventually delete those Instagram posts where she called YouTube out and her video currently sits at over 1 million views since going up on Sunday. And so I think there's a lot of different things at play here. If I'm Nicki Minaj, I think I'm rightfully pissed off. In the music industry, the first 24 hours are the most important, but even if you compare it to just her, her newest music video just three weeks ago, that had 17 million views. So without a doubt, what YouTube did here knocked a lot of the steam out. But on the other end of this, as a viewer and a veteran of this platform, I can't help but see this as, you know, someone that's usually been treated like an S-tier client for YouTube, uh, having a moment where they were treated like a regular person, even if just temporarily held down by the same rules as everyone else on this platform. And so don't get it twisted. I'm not angry at Nicki Minaj here. If anything, it just, it rekindles my frustrations with YouTube. There is always favoritism at play and it becomes most apparent when uh, someone that has been driving on the beautiful paved highway that you built for them, uh, it, they, they get knocked off temporarily onto the gravel that the rest of us have to fucking walk. And if I'm saying that as a creator with over 6 million followers and other creators who are even bigger than fucking me are complaining about YouTube's favoritism, then I can't imagine how fucking horrible it is for people with like 100,000 or less or even just under a million. Right, we've even talked about the unfair and inconsistent enforcement recently with the Corey Kenshin controversy. Him noting that his video was treated differently than a similar one by Markiplier and YouTube just handling it in the most chaotic way. And Corey there talking about racism and favoritism. Markiplier then started the, the try not to get age-restricted challenge. Creators like Jacksepticeye also joining that conversation saying that he noticed that as a major creator, he sometimes thinks that he gets favorable treatment on that front. Shouldn't it be consistent across everybody's? I don't want special treatment because I'm a bigger YouTuber. I don't want special treatment because I've been on the platform for a while or maybe my content has been a bit more palatable to a lot of people. But it is what it is, I suppose. And I think that's also part of the reason why you're seeing uh, people embrace some of their competitors. And then Uber and the drug trade, apparently like peanut butter jelly. Right? It's a big move for the company that started out by transporting people, then expanding to food. And for the past couple of years, has become a general courier service with Uber Connect, a part of the platform that allows drivers to pick up packages from customers and then deliver them to a chosen destination. We actually use this all the time to get samples of our shirts for Beautiful Bastard. But I mean, pretty much whatever you need move from point Point A to point B, they got it. A butt plug from Magnus Carlson, a secret document from Mar-a-Lago, that waffle machine I can't seem to get rid of. Whatever it is, Uber has got you covered. And while it began during the pandemic as a way to send care packages to people without leaving their home, some drivers have noticed some suspicious looking orders. We're talking bags of white stuff, probably just out of season snow, cigar boxes wrapped tightly in duct tape, a bottle of pills labeled as prescription amphetamine. And if you're driving and you get this package, you might think, oh God, are there illegal narcotics inside? But you're not allowed to open it and check. And so these drivers are left with options that are really outside of their pay range. You could just deliver it anyway, but that makes you complicit in illegal activity. Plus, who knows what happens if you get pulled over by a cop with it in your car. You could also cancel the trip, and many drivers are worried about doing that because they fear Uber will penalize them, though the company denies that that would happen. Or finally, you could take it to the police, like one driver in Tampa did after holding their package up to the light and seeing two white crystal-like rocks inside a clear plastic bag. With the cops saying they have not been able to identify the substance and are awaiting further testing, but if you go that route, you could be putting yourself in real physical danger, as this anonymous driver explained to NBC. There was one package that was from an area of the city that's known to have uh, drug dealers, and this person actually took pictures of my car and my license plate. It was implied that there would be an issue if the package didn't arrive. And I mean, that fear only intensifies with the knowledge that the customer can track your movements on the app. So if you take a detour into the police station, they know. And so these poor Uber drivers are going to get punished by either their conscience, the police, Uber, or an angry drug dealer, which is also why this is likely an underreported problem. But 
NBC talked to several people in the US and Australia who are worried that they're being used as unwitting drug mules. And it's not like Uber is not aware. Uber itself said that it received six information requests from law enforcement related to suspected drugs in Uber Connect since 2021. But saying, in its defense, when we receive this type of report, our global safety team investigates and may take actions ranging from deactivating the relevant account to reporting the issue to law enforcement. But some drivers say that's not enough. They want preventative reforms to keep them safe while they're on the job. Moves that maybe I'm a cynic, I don't think they're gonna do. Things like, for example, doing background checks on customers, removing penalties for canceling trips, and limiting Uber Connect to just businesses instead of individuals. And then, I think most of us, no matter what's going on in the world, could stand to save more and spend less. Also, Lindsay, I'm speaking to everyone, not just you right now. And if this sounds like you as well, then you should check out today's fantastic sponsor, Rocket Money. Rocket Money is an all-in-one personal finance platform that helps you manage subscriptions, lower bills, monitor your credit score, and build your savings all in one place. With their smart savings account, you can choose the amount and frequency, and Rocket Money will automatically deposit savings into smart savings accounts that you can withdraw from any time. Also, another fantastic feature is their credit score monitoring, which alerts you to important events that impact your score while offering insights on improving it. And my, my personal favorite thing, Rocket Money canceling unwanted subscriptions. They safely and securely identify recurring charges and cancel unwanted subscriptions with just one tap. No need to go through any customer service, run around. I just, I get exhausted and angry just thinking about it. They do the work for you. Rocket Money gives you a clear picture of your net worth, including your cash, debts, investments, crypto, retirement accounts, collectible items, whatever. And it shows you how it's trending over time. So to download Rocket Money for free, just head on over to rocketmoney.com slash DeFranco or click that link in the video description below. And then Hurricane Ian is set to really fuck things up right now. Making landfall in Cuba this morning is a major category three storm, and it's only going to get worse as it heads towards Florida. The storm has been battering Western Cuba with sustained winds of 125 miles per hour, just five miles short of a category four hurricane. With a National Hurricane Center warning of life-threatening storm surges, hurricane force winds, flash floods, and mudslides expected in the region today. It's estimated that around 50,000 people have been evacuated as of this morning. Reportedly, flooding has damaged houses and tobacco crops in the region. There have been widespread power outages. And as these dangerous conditions continue in Cuba, Ian is expected to move into the Gulf of Mexico and pass west of the Florida Keys later today, and then becoming a Category 4 before the end of it. Though, officials do predict that it will drop to a Category 3 before making landfall as a major hurricane in Florida, which it's expected to do tomorrow evening. The administrator of FEMA saying today that Ian is currently forecast to land somewhere between Fort Myers and Tampa, and adding that the storm is expected to slow down as it hits Florida, which just increases the potential devastation, but also uh, currently forecast is the key term here. That's just the forecast we had this morning, but this storm's exact path is still uncertain, and as Axios notes, slight changes in storm motion will have major consequences for the landfall location. And because of all this uncertainty, people all over Florida have been scrambling to prepare this storm. This is something I know fucking firsthand. To just vent for a second, I provided every fucking solution to my two sets of parents that are in Florida right now, and partly because of the uncertainty, but also just due to a, a level of inaction that is just confusing to me. The number of potential safe options go down by the hour. And that's a situation for people with resources like myself. Like this level of uncertainty that we're seeing right now has left people scrambling all over Florida. And so now as we get closer to landfall, we have schools closing down, airports suspending operations, Governor Ron DeSantis activating the National Guard and taking steps to ensure power outages can be remedied. So with that warning that many should anticipate losing power. And there's also a lot of watches and warnings in place all over Florida and even in parts of Georgia and South Carolina. And understand for many people, it's not like a maybe we should 
should leave. Evacuation warnings have been implemented across many parts of Florida already, with officials saying that around 2.5 million people are currently under some kind of evacuation order. This including some mandatory evacuations largely in coastal and low-lying areas, as well as some of those evacuation orders extending to parts of Tampa, Florida's third largest city. And I really cannot stress this enough. I'm someone that actually lived in Tampa for a decent chunk of my life. Tampa has not been hit by a major hurricane in over a century. We've had to deal with hurricanes hitting Florida, but not like this. A fact that just further emphasizes the unusual path this specific storm is taking. Well, unfortunately, I cannot hit on all the evacuation orders in place right now. I'm going to link to resources in the description for tracking evacuation zones and statuses as well as where those evacuating can locate shelters. Because, hey, whenever there's a situation like this, I always hope, hey, hey, maybe everything's overblown. And I love when that's the case. But when the prediction is accurate, it's fucking devastating. And there are very serious threats posed by this hurricane right now. According to the NHC, hurricane force winds and tropical storm conditions, as well as heavy rainfall and flooding are expected throughout much of the region. And considerable flooding is not only expected in central Florida, but also predicted to extend into southern Georgia and coastal South Carolina. But easily, one of the biggest threats this hurricane poses is storm surge flooding at the coast. With the NHC warning that, quote, life-threatening storm surge looks increasingly likely along much of the Florida West Coast, with the highest risk from Fort Myers to the Tampa Bay region. And beyond the immediate importance of people talking about this now, moving forward, it's important to know that, I mean, experts have pointed out that these insanely dangerous threats of storm surge and catastrophic flooding have been drastically exacerbated by climate change. With the most basic example of that being sea level rise driven by climate change, making surges and flooding more likely and more extreme. I mean, just to use one example, you have St. Petersburg, where sea levels have risen by nearly nine inches since 1947. We're talking an actual nine inches, not a, a Tinder I'm nine inches. And that's just one thing. I mean, we're seeing the impact of climate change in real time with this storm. In addition to climate change being linked to an increase in rainfall from tropical storms and hurricanes, Ian has reportedly been rapidly intensifying over extremely warm sea surface temperatures in the Caribbean that are running above average for this time of year. And the report adding that climate change favors more instances of rapidly intensifying storms such as Hurricane Ian due to the combination of warming seas and a warmer atmosphere that can carry additional amounts of water vapor. But unfortunately, that's where we are with this story. And now we just have to wait and see what happens in Florida as Hurricane Ian makes landfall. But please, if you live in these impacted areas, listen to officials in your area and stay safe. And then Texas's top lawyer is running from the law right now, like literally running. So the state's attorney general is Ken Paxton, and the law in this case is a lawsuit filed last month by several abortion funds and one provider. And it seeks to block Texas from charging individuals under its abortion ban in cases that happened out of state or before Roe v. Wade was overturned. And according to an affidavit, two subpoenas were issued for Paxton to show up at a federal court hearing today, one for his professional title, the other for his personal name. And so yesterday morning, Ernesto Martin Herrera, the official sent to serve the subpoenas, arrived at Paxton's home, knocking on the door, standing face to face with a woman calling herself Angela, who then informs Herrera that her husband is on the phone and in a hurry to leave. So the official's like, all right, returns to his car where he then waits for around an hour. And what happens next is it's so fucking cartoonish that you would be like, oh, that's unbelievable if it wasn't for the fact that this was a Texas politician we're talking about. A car suddenly pulls into the home's garage and Paxton steps out, prompting Herrera to walk up to the driveway, calling out his name, at which point Paxton runs inside the house, disappearing for a few minutes before Angela returns in his place. With her climbing into a black Chevrolet truck in the driveway, revving up the engine, making sure to leave the driver's side rear door open. And she does so for the exact reason you're picturing in your mind. Paxton then executes the climax of his plan. He sprints out of the door inside the garage and leaps into the truck for a clean gas. Away. But Herrera is quick. He sees Paxton making a run for it. He attempts to intercept, approaching the vehicle, loudly calling the attorney general's name, stating that he had court documents for him. But Paxton just ignores him and joins Angela in the truck, with Herrera placing the court documents alongside it. But of course, they don't get out. The fucking attorney general for Texas just hightails it out of there, leaving Herrera and his two little subpoenas in the dust. And it now looks like Paxton's actually going to escape those 
goes for good because a judge has granted his request to quash the subpoenas. With Paxton also somehow citing concerns for his own safety on Twitter saying, this is a ridiculous waste of time and the media should be ashamed of themselves. All across the country, conservatives have faced threats to their safety, many threats that receive scant coverage or condemnation from the mainstream media. It's clear that the media wants to drum up another controversy involving my work as attorney general, so they're attacking me for having the audacity to avoid a stranger lingering outside my home and showing concern about the safety and well-being of my family. And that uh, it was the end of that, that quote full of lies and bullshittery. And I just love that this sniveling fucking coward had the audacity to put out a statement today saying, given that this suspicious and erratic man charged me on my private property, he is lucky this situation did not escalate further or necessitate force. You ran like a little bitch from papers. The fact remains that you are a coward and a liar. The only question in the air is which one more than the other. And then women, life, freedom. That's the growing rallying cry being shouted right now by Iranian protesters as they take to the streets for nearly the second straight week in defiance of the government. These largely women-led protests triggered by the September 13th death of 22-year-old Masa Amini while in custody of the so-called morality police. The government claims that she died due to unknown health issues. Bullshit. With it instead being widely reported that her severe beating while in custody led to her death. One of the most disgusting parts of this is that the reason she was in custody at all, her crime, what was it? Wearing her hijab incorrectly. Some Thing that's technically done by women across Iran every day. And for women across this country, her death was just another example of the gross injustices that they face under the Islamic regime with many feeling that they're treated as second-class citizens, most likely because they are treated like second-class citizens. So it wasn't surprising to see the typical scene at these protests, including women burning their hijabs, cutting their hair, openly walking around without a hijab, all in defiance of the country's conservative dress code. These protesters, these women are badasses because understand, these are not small acts of defiance either. Beyond the normal legal repercussions, security forces have been using deadly force against demonstrators while also targeting people for arrest in their homes. As of recording, and this number will go up, there have been at least 76 deaths and well over 1,000 arrests, but the exact numbers are hard to know as the government has resorted to an internet blackout to restrict information flow. So it's entirely possible we're going to see these numbers skyrocket, but also, I want to know, it's not just women who have come out as these protests have increasingly morphed into anger at the regime for various reasons in general, re-sparking old frustrations that were once rallying cries for their own major protests. However, the government hopes to handle this series of protests like they've done in the past with overwhelming force. President Ibrahim Raisi warning on Sunday night that the thugs and rioters would be dealt with decisively after a fifth member of a pro-government paramilitary group was killed by protesters. The regime has also resorted to organizing counter-protests, which just increases the risk of violence in the streets. And as far as what happens from here, it remains to be seen. These protests do not seem to be dying out in Iran, and they have widespread international support. But Iran has seen similar large-scale protests as recently as 2020 and 2019 with almost no changes. Something I will say Persian friends of mine are quick to remind me of when we have conversations about what's happening here. However, it is important to know that they seem to be happening with increasing frequency as young people in Iran are increasingly getting fed up with what little prospects they have in the country. And when there is this much pain and there is this much anger and there is that much desperation where you feel like a life might be snuffed out for no fucking reason, it really is just a matter of time before things change, one way or another. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching and being subscribed to my daily dives into the news. If you want to snag something from beautifulbastard.com, remember you only have a few hours left. But as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.